All right, so let's go to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. Romans 14, starting at verse 1, says this. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down at him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. And in verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 1, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So, <clears throat> we've gone through a lot of different things in Romans, and again, this last part of Romans is really the application of everything that we've read so far. Now that we've been saved, now that we've been rescued from sin and death, now that we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us, now that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, based on all of that, now how should we be living? We've talked about how we should be living amongst one another. We've talked about how we should be living uh, when it comes to governing officials. And now we're going into another issue where there's some issues that are going on in the church and about how religious one needs to be. And obviously at this point in time, you have Jews and Gentiles together, and the Jews were known for having very strict, and to this day, very strict, dietary laws. You look in the Old Testament, 
it says all the different things you could eat. You know, if the hoof was cleaved in a certain way, if they chew the cut, if they don't chew the cut, I mean, all these different details that are involved with it about their dietary laws. And all of those dietary laws and all those things were so that they would be an outward example of something that was going on inwardly that was different than the rest of the world, and that's they had a relationship with the one true God. But then we saw that after Christ came, he died, he rose again. God showed Peter that now there's no such thing as an unclean animal or anything like that. All of those different uh, religious things that he had them do in the past were no longer in effect because now there is now a new covenant. It's just simply based on faith in Christ alone. And beyond that, the only thing that we really do to show that we're in Christ is we're baptized and we participate in the Lord's Supper. That's about the extent of the outward things that are done religiously to show that we're in relationship with God. So we have now that in the church, you're going to have folks who are used to eating a certain way now coming in and saying, well, you shouldn't eat that. You shouldn't eat that. And they could go to their Old Testament and point out and go, well, it's, it's, it's right here. We, we shouldn't be eating that. And you would have Gentile folks who maybe in, in whatever things that were coming in from their back are maybe saying, well, no, but we can't eat that. And you should be eating this or that. And so all these issues will be coming in about disputable matters that really don't make a basis on the truth of the gospel. And for you and I, this comes into play in our own lives as well, in small ways and in different things. We look at things that people do and we point out and say, well, uh, you shouldn't do that. And really, it's not because it's not in Scripture. It's just because we don't like that or it's something we've struggled with or it's something that we've seen family struggle with or whatever that, that item is. We look on other people and we start passing judgment on them, questioning their relationship with God, fighting with them, separating from them, and all these types of things. Where Paul's saying here is if it's disputable, it's between the individual and God. Very different if somebody is living in sin. Very different if somebody is outright sinning and destroying themselves, destroying others. The relationship with God truly is in peril, and that's something where we then go in in love and correct them. But this is talking about the stuff that doesn't have a basis of whether they, they're in the faith or not. It says here in verse four, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, except him whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Now, he's not saying that everybody should be carnivore or anything like that, but he's saying here that if one person is eating one thing, regardless of what you think, if one person is eating one thing, don't judge of other. This person says, all I can eat is vegetables, all I can eat is the Daniel diet or whatever the heck they want to do. And they believe that is the right thing for them to do, even though it does not matter. He says we should treat that person as someone whose faith is weak because they really think this is an important thing. We don't need to go through all the details of correcting them and fighting with them and things like that, nor do we need to eat meat in front of them just to bother them, to prove a point. That's, that's our favorite part. <laughs> but it says one man's faith allows him to eat everything. Another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Verse 3. The man who eats everything must not look down at him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Now, this obviously doesn't just deal with food, but it deals with anything else in our culture. Right? When you, when you hear that somebody has, has an issue with something, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, my gosh, it doesn't even matter. What a small detail. What's the first thing you want to do? I'm going to prove a point. I'm going to get them to look at my side so they approve of what I do so that I can be free to do what I want to do. My gosh, that's the American thing. I should be able to live the way I want to live in front of you. And you should be able to deal with it. And just because you're weak and I'm stronger in this, you just got to get stronger now. The problem is that's not what God tells us to do. 
He doesn't say to the weak person, you better get stronger. He does a little bit down here. But he mostly says to the strong one, you need to be willing to be humble enough to care about the one who's weak. It's not about us proving a point. He says, because God has accepted you, and God has also accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? That's pretty incredible. I think about, you know, what if I were to walk into a different Chase branch, walk in there and say, uh, you, stop doing that. Stop doing that. You don't do that. They would say, well, you go by the branch road. That's where you belong. You're over there. You know, you could go stop around there. The person who's over here is in charge. You can't do that. And when you and I correct one another in that way and start doing those things to another and judging each other, who's our master? God. So we're just another servant along with each other. Servant to servant. Are we to go and start judging one another like we're the master? It's like God saying, well, who are you? You're just another servant also. It says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. And he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. So who's going to deal with that issue? God. If I have an issue that, that you would look at and say, gosh, I really disagree with that because it's such a small matter. Why does that bother him so much? I mean, I feel free just to do it. It doesn't change my relationship with God, but he bases everything on and it's like, oh my gosh, just get over it. But you know that's for God to deal with. That's between myself and God. Now, if it's a sin issue, that's different. It's between God and myself, but also we have an obligation to help one another out and say, hey, there's something wrong here. But if it's, a, if it's something that's disputable, that doesn't really matter because I feel like on a certain day I shouldn't work or on a specific day I eat a certain uh, food or whatever that might be, he's saying that's between that person and God. We're not to go ahead and judge that individual. It shouldn't cause dissension with, among believers. Verse 5. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Well, my gosh, that would have been exactly what was going on with the Jews and the Gentiles, right? It's the Sabbath. We don't do anything. I mean, we can't even, you know, cut the grass. We can't pick up a piece of fruit. We've got to be very careful of everything that we do. And the Gentiles are like, well, it's Saturday. I mean, it feels like any other day, you know, or Sunday or whatever they, they were going to do it. One considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. It's the same thing with holidays. Right? Some consider holidays very important. Some say, well, it's not that day. It's a different day. Well, that's great. Right? But what are we to do? But is that something that we go and we fight each other over? Well, no. Verse 6. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. I read this last night, and I was shocked by this statement. I've read through it a thousand times. I'm sure it's been quoted many, many times. But this statement is really incredible. I've been doing some reading about uh, in American history, about our culture, and about um, the way we've changed over time. And the, the idea after the revolution that came a very big in the United States was the self-made man, the person who started from nothing. And they, you, know, you come to a continent that's pretty much wide open, Every opportunity is there for you. So wherever you want to be, you can be. And the person that took a hold of that and really went with it and progressed and progressed and progressed and did everything they possibly could in life to become something big. And isn't that what we tell our children? Isn't that somewhat the American dream, right? You have these things, take it, take advantage of that freedom and be everything you possibly can be. What's interesting here is it says here, none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. 
not saying it's a bad thing to work very hard and to, to do as much as you possibly can, of course. But there's a problem sometimes with that behind it. Because who am I concerned about? Me. I'm self-made. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get there. I'm going to reach it. So you get in my way, I'm going to steamroll you. You do something to, to, to stop me, I'm going to push right past you. I'm going to keep on going. And if you're that weak, well, buck up and deal with it because I'm going to keep going. But is that the way a believer should be? We don't live to ourselves alone. And none of us dies to himself alone. It's incredible. He goes even further. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. I, I only know living. I don't know dying yet. Thank God. But I don't know anything. What, between living and dying, there's not much more to the human experience in that, right? Whatever we do is based because we're living. And then when we die, that's it. In those two things, what does it say? It's to the Lord. So what is to us? What is to ourself? None of it. No, we belong to the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. Do I belong to myself? Nope. Is it, does everything just revolve around me and I can determine what I want to do and all this? Am I completely and utterly free? I belong to him. It goes even further. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians, just keep your finger by Romans 14. We're just going to read a few verses in 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians uh, 6, verse 18. Paul makes the same argument in chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians, verse 11 as well. Same thing. But let's just go through 1 Corinthians 6, starting at verse 18. It says, this, flee from sexual immorality. All their sins a man commits are outside of his body, but he, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. What was the price? Jesus' death. So when we came to faith in Christ and we accepted Christ as our Savior and Lord, what happened? We were purchased. It's almost like, buy me, buy me, buy me. We belong to him now. So since we belong to him, that is the reason why we do the things that we obey, that he tells us to do, because we belong to him. We are no longer our own, our own thing without any ramifications, without any, no, we belong to God and to him only. Just like I belong to God because I was purchased at a price, you belong to God so you're purchased at a price. So who am I accountable to at the end of the day? God. Who are you accountable to at the end of the day? God. Can you make your own decisioning and do whatever you want to do because you're free to do anything you want to do? Well, Yes and no. Yes, you can. But who are you accountable to at the end? To God. Because we belong to him. He purchased us. Right? And I mean, the last time I went to the store and bought something and I purchased it, it became mine. I had rights along with it when that became mine. Someone can't take it from me. I have it. I possess it. I could do what I like with it. All those types of things. 
We belong to God. First nine of chapter 14 of Romans. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Why do we judge one another? Especially over the, the goofy stuff. <laughs> it's not my job. It's not my job. I was purchased also. And you were purchased. We belong to God. We're accountable to him. These other disputable matters are not even worth fighting over because we're not accountable to one another in those things. God's the one that's going to deal with that. Or why do you look down on your brother? That's where it comes really to the big issue. Why do you judge one another? And why do you look down on each other? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. As it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 45 from where that's taken from. Isaiah 45. Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45, and let's go to verse 18. Isaiah 45, 18. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have, not said to, I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Gather together and come assemble, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what is to be presented. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me. A righteous God and a Savior, there is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. I think he means business when he says that. Before me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are righteousness and strength. All who have raised against him will come to him and be put to shame. Now, if God has made this, this is an incredible verse in Isaiah, by the way. When he makes that statement, I have sworn, I'm not, I mean, if I say it, it is going to hold true. At the end of time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Everybody will. If that's the case, as we see in Romans chapter 14, when I want to say something, right, because I see you eating something that really bothers me, right, or drinking something that really bothers me, or, or doing some type of thing that's not sin, but it's just like, gosh, I can't believe they say they're saved, they're doing that, and, and I really just want to let you have it. What's going to hold me back? Who are you accountable to? To God. At the end of time, God's going to deal with it. At the end of time, it says, we are all, I mean, it's incredible what it says in, in uh, Romans 14, uh, the second part of verse 11, every tongue will confess to God. And then it says in verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. What that's going to look like, how that's going to be, I don't know, but I know God's going to take it very, very seriously. 
And so don't worry. If there's something that I'm doing wrong or there's something that you're doing wrong, God will take care of that. He'll weed it up. It'll come out. Because just as much as you're going to be confessing, I'm going to be confessing. And everybody else is going to be confessing. How that's going to look, all the details of that, I don't know. We'll wait for it at that point in time. Thankfully, we're going to be extending grace and mercy. That's what we have to look forward to and acceptance because we've been forgiven. But when it comes to all these issues that we look at and we want to fight each other about, it's that, and really when you think about it, there's very few things that you and I really go after to help one another out when it's in regards to really egregious sin. Because that's, that's tough. That's really tough to discuss. But the little disputable stuff, that's the stuff we love to fight over. Right? That's the stuff we love to fight over. Politics? Who'd you vote for? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we can all make some great arguments with one another about it and, and work our way through. But at the end of the day, if Christ has saved us both, that's between us and God. And let God rail on me for who I voted for. Really? Are you kidding me? Didn't you know this, this, this? Okay, let him deal with that. Right? Because I'm accountable to him. I belong to him. You know? Josh, I can't believe you drank that. Well, you know, maybe you could be on the other side as you're confessing, going, I told you. But let that be at the end. Let God deal with that. Look, I deal with that big, but that's the very thing that you and I look down on one another on. We look down on each other because of some of the things that really doesn't determine whether or not you and I are saved. And let God deal with it. If there's something wrong in my thinking, let God deal with that. Right? In love, we can instruct and help one another. But if I'm that, you know, heel in the sand, let God do it. Pray for me. Right? Pray for each other. Let God deal with that part of it. Verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. This is incredible. He's really talking to kind of the strong brother or sister here. Because he's saying here, you and I need to stop passing judgment on one another. And what we need to do, instead, make up your mind not to put something in the way of your brother to make them fall. And do you know what that is? If I feel bad about doing a specific thing and you feel just fine doing it, you and I, it's our nature, are going to want to do that thing in front of that individual to make a point. It's happened in the early church, right? I'm going to do it. And when we do it, we think that we're maybe helping our brother to realize, come on, it's not that big of a deal. But what is it saying it's doing to that individual? It's putting a stumbling block out there. It's putting something to make them trip up. Because for them, if they do that or if they partake in it, to them it's sin because their conscience is saying there's something wrong here. And they're not doing it from faith. You may be doing that very thing from faith and saying, this is a sin, I'm just fine doing it. But if you and I do it in front of that other brother or sister to make them have that feel that we think maybe we're strengthening, we want to show that we can do it because that's what we do and just deal with it. It's saying it's putting a stumbling block in their way. And now the last time, the last time I tripped and fell, it was never a positive experience. Right? The, the word obstacle, the word stumbling block is nothing positive. It says, why would you put that in your brother's way? And what's really interesting is the way he uses the familial thing. It's your brother. It's your sister. It's family. It's not like, okay, you put that in the stranger's way. No, no. You put it in the way of someone that you have a familial relationship with. Verse 14. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. I mean, you like to say to the weaker brother, didn't you see what Paul said? 
Everything's not, not there's nothing unclean. Every piece of food is fine. But then he goes and says, but wait a second. But if for somebody it's unclean, then guess what? For them, it's unclean. It's actually better that they don't. You and I have people in our lives, that maybe even ourselves, if you think about, if I start doing this one thing, it's going to be a gateway to something else, to something else, and it's going to go, go down a wrong path, so I can't even touch that. At an old church I went to, I had a, there was an individual who had, had come off drugs after doing it many, many years, and he could not drink coffee. Because what they would do is after the drugs, they would drink a lot of coffee to kind of, kind of get off one habit to another habit. But if he would drink coffee, that was kind of the start to go to a different route. So guess what? Is it a good idea for me to walk by the individual with a Starbucks tumbler? You know, <laughs> oh, it's a delicious smell. Eddie. <laughs> right? This is not unclean. God says it's not unclean. It's good. It's right from the Garden of Eden itself. But no, because why would you do a thing that would put a stumbling block on the person's way? For them, it's unclean. And we don't fully understand it. God does. Thank God. And if God's got an issue with it, at the end of time, they can deal with it. It says this, verse 15. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. This is something incredible. Here's the wonderful thing about belonging to God. When we belong to God, we have literally been set free. Right? We, we, we're either slaves of sin or slaves of God. Either way, we belong to something. We either belong to sin or we belong to God. When we belong to sin, we are truly slaves. And we see it in our, in our sinful nature all the time. Right? When you get mad or something happens, it's not the Holy Spirit that comes revving up and taking over. We look at that sinful nature and do what that nature wants to do. We are truly under a horrible master with sin because it kills us really, way before our time. When we are slaves of God, when we belong to him, he does something incredible. He goes and he actually sets us free. He says, you belong to me, but since you belong to me, here's what I want to do for you. I want to give you true freedom. Freedom to do the things that are right. And now you have power to say no to the things that are wrong. Since we've been given freedom, we have been given freedom to stop doing the things we know it's okay for us to do. We have the freedom to say no to self. I want to eat this specific thing. I want to drink this specific thing, but I know at the restaurant, if I'm eating or drinking that specific thing and you come walking in, and you look over and go, oh, I can't believe it. I can't. Did you see what Paloma was drinking? Just kidding. I can't believe what that individual is doing. I thought they were saved. I thought they were a Christian. I thought they were a believer. I can't believe it. Now, is it perfectly fine what we were eating or drinking? Is that sin of itself? But if it would possibly cause a stumbling block to another believer to go in there and go, well, if they can, well, maybe I can. Well, maybe you can't. Maybe that person can't, or maybe that's going to trigger something in their life that goes back to their past that's not a good place that they've been freed by God from and all that type of stuff, and that one thing puts a stumbling block in their way. Yes, I am free to do it, and yes, you know, as an American, people should just deal with it. But in the church, he's saying this. If what I do could possibly cause distress for another brother, don't do it. Because I have to? No. Because you have the freedom to say no to self and say, you know what? I don't have to do this. I don't need this. 
it's a, it's a drink, it's a food, it's a day, it's a holiday, it's whatever it is. It says this, do not buy your eating. It's really, it sounds kind of trivial, doesn't it? Don't buy what you eat. Destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Christ gave his life for your brother and for you. Can you and I give up a steak for the brother? Sorry. Vegetables, <laughs> broccoli for the brother? Because <laughs> carnivore is the only truth. <laughs> you know, or a drink for a brother? Are we, are we not supposed to? It says, if your brother is distressed because of what we do, but what, because what we're eating or drinking, and we're doing it in front of knowing that, we're not acting in love. Even if, if people are over at our home and they're, we're about to take freedom in what we're about to do, and they look and you can tell they're visibly disturbed by it, yes, it's, it's, but it's my home. You can just get out. Well, wait a second. But I love this. This is my brother in Christ. Christ died for them. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know this. I'm so sorry. Let's just get it away even in our own homes. Why? Because I have to? No. Because I have freedom in Christ now to say no, because I love my brother or sister more than myself. Why? Because Christ died for them. He died for me. And why would I want to hurt my relationship with my brother? Because of broccoli or zucchini bread or drink or whatever that thing is or that day or that holiday. Why? Verse 16, do not allow what you consider good to be spoken as evil. If you like it, well, then don't, don't cause an issue with it. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you and I can get together, we can have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit and be completely free with the things that we eat and drink. Awesome. But if we're together with another brother or sister in Christ and we can have righteousness, joy, and peace, but yet there's an issue that comes in where you know that this bothers them, that thing that we're eating and drinking. Well, why in the world would I put a stumbling block in their way because of a piece of food or something I drink? Why? Because anyone, verse 18, who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. God wants us to use our freedom to say no to the things that we're free to do because we love each other too much to hurt one another if it would hurt them. So we have the freedom to say no. Verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. He's not saying in any of this to be a doormat. He's not saying all this to be taken advantage, all these types of things. He's saying that we have freedom to, to have love enough and humility enough to care more for him whose faith is weak because we want to make every effort possible to do what leads to peace and mutual edification among the body of Christ. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. It's incredible. Such small little things that we can actually destroy the work that God is doing in somebody's life by putting a stumbling block in their way. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. But it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. But it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Does that mean every time we walk to the restaurant, we're going to sit down for a nice evening, we need to be terrified. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's, you know, let's 
So I'm gonna look around the building, let's take a look around, head off, look in the bathroom, see if anybody's there that we know, and things like that. Then if we have to be like that, then we have to ask ourselves, is this the best thing that we're gonna do also? Right? When we go into a place we said, we need, I think we need to ask ourselves, it's fair, what if there's another believer here? And if what we're about to enjoy is something that could put a stumbling block in their way. I love them too much to do it. Is it because what we're going to eat or drink is wrong? No. Does it mean we need to be terrified of it? Or how about it means this? I'm so free in Christ to love and to say no even to the things I want to enjoy myself. No one's telling you you have to say, you know, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to. But what if anywhere we go and anything that we do, it's like, you know what, I want to make sure that I'm not a stumbling block to my brother or my sister. All food is clean, but is wrong for man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Verse 21, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. Verse 22, so whatever you believe about these things, Keep between yourself and God. That's incredible. If we have private convictions about those things, then it's between us and him. Right? Especially when it comes to specific things that we eat, specific things that we drink, specific days, disputable matters. It's between ourselves and God. Blessed or happy is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Why would we want to cause our brother or sister to sin by the things that we approve of and the things that we know aren't unclean, aren't bad? But if we do those very things and it causes them to do those very things and it really messes with their conscience and they think it's wrong and everything like that, then we are actually causing them to sin. And you say, well, that's not fair. Well, yeah, but they're weaker. They're the weaker brother here. And as a stronger brother, I'm going to use my freedom to help build that weaker brother up. Verse 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. That's a tough one. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Oftentimes when we're dealing with somebody that's weaker than us, in an argument or whatever it is, if we're stronger and I worry, let them have it. But if it's a brother or sister and it's over one of these issues that can cause them to sin, we're better off taking our freedom and holding ourselves back and saying, I'm not going to do that to them. They're weaker in this. Instead, I would rather, I would rather hold myself back and bear with them to help them. It's not about pleasing myself. It's about building up that weaker brother. Verse two. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. That's interesting. It's, it's interesting in verse in, uh, chapter 14 towards the, the beginning of it where it says, we shouldn't be judging one another, nor should we be looking down on one another. And then by the time we get to chapter 15, verse uh, 2, what does it say? We should instead be building each other up. When I want to judge you, when I want to look down on you, for something that seems to me to be the most trivial matter. Instead, what I need to do is reverse it all out and say, oh, no, no, no. Instead, how do I do things that actually build them up? Verse 3. For even Christ did not please himself. That's interesting. So why, is it, why should I have to do that? That's not fair. 
Christ didn't have to do what he did for you and I. What did he do wrong? Nothing. What could he do? Anything he wanted. But what did he do? He came as a servant and bore our sins and paid our penalty, was beaten for us, whipped for us, took sin upon himself, took God's wrath upon himself for us when we didn't care and when we hated him. So even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. God himself has lived this out for us. And if he's our master, and if we belong to him, we're supposed to be the ones to imitate him. So just as much as we've, we've been saved to be rescued from sin and death, we've also been saved to suffer for his sake. And if suffering for his sake also means that I hold back from doing the things I'm free to do because I love you too much, because I know this may uh, create something, a stumbling block in your way, but I want to enjoy this thing right now, but they're here with me and I wish I could enjoy it. No, 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 no. I love them too much. I want this relationship to be filled with righteousness, joy, and peace. And if Christ was willing to be insulted for me, I can say no to eating this specific thing, drinking this specific thing, or doing something on a specific day for my brother. For everything, verse 4, that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. When we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us, we now belong to him. We all belong to God when we responded in faith to Christ and we have the Holy Spirit. We're all accountable to God. God is the one who judges. God is the one who knows the secrets of the heart. God's the one who knows the intents and purposes. God is the one who's gonna, who has it all, and we are all going to be confessing before him at the end. Therefore, we ought not to look down on one another. Instead, we ought to bear each other up, find ways to build one another up, and use the wonderful freedom that we have in Christ and belonging to him to say no to self for the sake of our love for one another. Why? Because Christ did it first. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for this time. I pray, Father, that it will do a work in our hearts and our lives. I pray, Father, that if there's sin that we need to uh, repent of, Lord, that we'll repent of it and confess it before you. I pray, Father, that we'll be a people, Lord, who build each other up, build up those that are around us, that we use our freedom in a way that's pleasing to you. And I pray, Father, that uh, you'll help us all to be strong in faith, strong in love. And I pray, Father, that uh, the rest of this week, Lord, we'll truly live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.